help us to see ourselves who you are. And not as we want to see you. We ask this in your son's precious name. Amen. reading is from Matthew 21, 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt and the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowd that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So, Jesus was really loved. He was popular. Kind of like you kings. They're popular. He goes to different places. I don't want to bean anybody with them. So, and I'm not a real guy. I was looking for a baseball tip. So, (laughs) if you go to Mardi Gras, you have stickers that you get these beads. Here, you don't have to. <laughs> Did you get some beads? These are kind of pretty. They make you feel good. They make you more popular. Well, don't they make you more popular? Some places they make you really popular, like New Orleans. <laughs> They're really popular there. But my kids, my kids used to love to get these. They're all shiny and pretty and they're just pretty. But in the past few weeks, we've talked about giving up snacks for Lent. Not chocolate and the regular stuff. We're talking about giving up what God wants us to give up. Personally, I think it's much easier to give up chocolate, considering I don't really like chocolate. Um, But giving up what God wants us to give up, hopelessness, despair, our expectations of how we think God should handle our issues, our things, control over the situations in our lives, grudges and bitterness that we hang on to, that tarnish us. They don't even belong to us. 
our moral high ground, God bless you, where we are so much better than the people outside these walls because we're Christian or we're so much better than the other Christian down the street. He's told us to give up all of that. So today we're going to focus on giving up our need for popularity. Now we all got beads as we came in and I hurled a few at you. I didn't hurl them. I <laughs> tossed them your way. But they're really pretty. They make us feel better. They can make us feel popular. Who's got the most beads here? Come on. I have two. Who caught the most beads? Oh, Kristen's got the most, so she's the most popular. Isn't that how we see things? We read today in the passage, Jesus was really popular on Palm Sunday. I mean, what a welcoming guy. He walked and he rode in, and they were going, Hosanna, Hosanna, and they were throwing down cloaks and things for him. He was really popular. But that's not what he wanted. Jesus didn't desire to be popular. In fact, more often than not, Jesus would tell others, say nothing about what I've done. In Matthew 9, 28 and 30, when he had gone indoors, the blind man came to him and said, and he asked them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. But Jesus warned them sternly, see that no one knows about this. That was pretty stern. In other words, don't go telling the world what I did. Well, Jesus, in Luke 8, 49 through 56, while Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. The parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone. But as popularity so often does, his popularity faded a few days later. Popularity is dependent on other people's views, fads, and trends set by other people. That's usually how popularity goes. It's all good one day, but the next, when the trends and the worldview changes, so does our popularity. How many of us in the senior age range, there's a couple of us in here, remember go-go boots, hot pants, and Nehru jackets? Those were popular. Do you guys even, the rest of you even know what they are? No. <laughs> yeah. They didn't last long, though, mind you, because a new trend replaced them. 
pea coats and leotards. Woohoo! We were styling. No, we weren't. <laughs> Remember back in 84 when Wendy's coined the frame, Where's the Beef? If you say that to some of the younger people now, they look at you like you have three heads. <laughs> they have no clue what it means. It was a fad. It was a passing craze. Much like Lady Gaga's meat dress. Now, most of you have heard about that. Even I, in my junior age, have heard about Lady Gaga's meat dress. She was trying to start a fad, I think. Thankfully, it didn't take <laughs> but it was a statement. It was a way to attract attention, to gain notoriety, to gain popularity. We all want to be popular. We all want to be liked. We all want our name in life. Today's latest fad, kind of scary, taxidermy. People stuff their dead pets and put them in their homes. Kind of disgusting if you ask me, but that's just my personal opinion. Hopefully this phase will fade out quickly. But it's a fad, it's a trend, it's popular. And if you follow that fad, that popular thing, you tend to become popular. Jesus did not strive to be popular. As I said, more often than not, he really said things that were unpopular. Remember the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4? Or the adulterous woman in John 8? When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who, who is without sin throw a stone at her. That wasn't a popular thing. He did not make himself real popular with the people because they all had stones in their hand ready to strike. So for him to go against popular opinion showed exactly who he is. He didn't strive to be popular. He didn't want to be popular. He was doing what God had called him to do. In Mark 1, 4 through 44, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was in indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to everyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Again, for Jesus, it wasn't about being popular. He didn't want notoriety. He didn't want people to flock to him to stop what God was doing in his life. He had a mission, and he was focused on that mission. When people shared the news of the miracle that Jesus performed, he became more popular among the people. People flocked to be around him. His popularity, though, hindered him. In reality, Jesus could no longer enter into a town quietly by himself. He had to stay outside. 
because people flocked to him. People clamored to be because he was popular, because he was Jesus. Some said he was a prophet. Some said he's the son of God. So many different titles he had. But he was popular. That hindered his work. It's human nature to desire recognition. People go to great lengths to stand out from the crowd, to be unique or different. It's in our nature. We all have a desire to be loved. We all want to be popular and have others give us our validation and recognition. That's what popularity is about, validating us, recognizing us. Years ago, I was in junior high. It's been many years, yeah. And I was in high, junior high and high school. I was considered pretty popular. I made sure I joined in the things that made me popular. In junior high, I was a baton twirler. I was a lead in many of the musicals because I have a really big mouth. And that followed me all the way into high school. I became, <laughs> shock of all shocks, a cheerleader. I was on the high school twirl team. I sang a lot of leads in those solos. I was in magicals. I was in every musical thing there was. For all intents and purposes, I was popular. I had a need to be popular, a desperate need to be liked by others, a need to find my worth in the eyes of others. I needed to be validated by my peers. I desperately tried to fill the void inside of me, a void that all these clean, shiny little baubles and, and fun things couldn't fill. But I filled them with it first. coats, I had jewelry like crazy. I don't wear jewelry, but I wore jewelry. I adorned myself with things to be popular, to be liked, to be validated. <coughs> well, I was a pretty good baton twirler. One year I won the New York State Championship for all of New York State. Trophy was this big. I was this big. It was cool. I carried that trophy with me for months. I had to, I had three months, and then I had to go against the Eastern Seaboard Twirling thing, and I was going to be the Eastern Seaboard Twirling Champion because I was the least, because I wanted that trophy that was this big, and I was this big. It was shiny. It had your name engraved on it. You got to uh, give an interview to the newspaper. You got a picture taken. You were popular. You were the height of everything that I wanted to be. I cut school for a couple of years in and out. Because I practiced. I practiced day and night. I was determined to at least come in second because that trophy wasn't this big, but it was this big. It was, it was as big as me, and I was going to be the eastern seaboard runner-up. So we did our competition at Fire Island. I did my flashy little thing. I schmoozed everybody, and I won. 
I became the Eastern Seaboard Curling Champion. I came home with a trophy that was this big, couldn't even fit it in our car. My neighbor had to bring it home because we had too many people for that trophy. So here's this trophy, it's all shiny and beautiful. I was interviewed, I was taking my picture, everybody was like, wow, look at Debbie. They called me Little Debbie then. They don't do that now. <laughs> but they look at Little Debbie, look at Little Debbie. I was rocking, I was exactly where I wanted to be. I even got to ride. I do this all the time. I got to ride in the car in the parade for the 4th of July. I was so excited. I got to sit in the car and wave and wave. And then when we got to the uh, home for um, less than stellar <laughs> families, I got to throw candy to them because that's all they were allowed to get was candy. It was the most exciting time for me because people were applauding me. People were loving me. But I still felt empty inside. It didn't fill up the void inside of me. In fact, it became kind of a hindrance for me too. I went to the next curling competition and they said, oh, that's the Eastern Seaboard champion. We expect great things from her. You know, so my normal. I just broke like everybody else. My popularity went from here to months later I couldn't even tell you where the trophy went. I had no clue. But boy, I sure wanted it. I thought that was going to fill my life. I thought I was going to make that exactly where I wanted to be. But it didn't kind of fleeted by, didn't last. In fact, if you ask me where that trophy is today, it's probably in some landfill, still trying to decompose. Didn't really have that big of an impact on my life. But it did for the moment. I wanted to be popular. I displayed that trophy at the school. I displayed that trophy in my home. I told everybody about that trophy. But just as the shine on the trophy faded, so did my popularity about it. When I applied for jobs in high school, did I put that on my application? Eastern Seaboard Curling Champ? Ultimately, it didn't matter. Did I list it on my resume? Again, didn't matter. I didn't put it on my college applications. Nobody cared. I turned back from just Debbie. Glances at popularity. There were glimmers of filling a void. But it really didn't do anything. just a second, have you all had times when you felt that need or that joy over something? 
for your life that made you feel different? For me, it was the proceeds. It was the tithing. But we've probably all done things to get us to that place, to make us feel better for just a little bit, popular, loved, even adored, respected, looked up to. As I said, it was more of the hundreds for me. I had such an expectation to live up to that anything I did paled in comparison. It really wasn't all that I thought it would be. But boy, I sure thought it was. In Matthew 6, 19 through 21, it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there, is your, heart, there your heart will be also. That trophy was my treasure. I put that trophy in front of me. I put that trophy out there for all to see. God bless you. I made that trophy my treasure. I'm glad that it's gone. I'm glad that it got tarnished. I'm glad that it faded. Because through all that tarnishing and fading, I was able to see more of me than the popularity contest that I was playing with myself. Because I wasn't playing it with anybody else. It was a self-imposed popularity contest. I always lost. Popularity is based on emotion. Popularity is based on feelings. Reputation is based on character. I don't want to be popular anymore. I don't, well, as we said, sang just a minute ago. I don't want my name in lights. In fact, I'd rather be behind the curtain than in front of the curtain now. I'd rather be known for good moral character than I would for being popular. When we place our value in how popular we are, we find that our value fluctuates day by day, by time, by circumstances in our life. But when we place our value in Christ, our value increases. Whatever your service, whatever the task Jesus has chosen for you, it's an honor to be chosen to serve. It doesn't matter if you're the CEO of a company or a janitor in a company or the, the guy that wipes down the trees, or the guy that cleans down the street. It doesn't matter what your job is. Who you are in Christ is what your, where your value lies, not whether or not you're popular. I learned the lesson the hard way. Being popular hindered me from doing things I love to do. I no longer squirreled. I quit squirreling. 
because I could no longer compete with the girl that won the ACC board championship. Couldn't compete with her anymore. And I'm so grateful to God that he took that passion, that desire out of my heart because I, I was not a nice competitor. I would have done anything to win. I did. I cut school for a couple weeks so that I could practice, so that I could be more popular. It wasn't the best choice. But we all make choices that are not always the best choices. Don't let the world tell you that your place of service in his kingdom or your popularity in his eyes doesn't matter because that's the only one that matters. How he looks at us. When he looks at each one of us, he does not say, oh, sluggard. He looks at you and says, you're my child. You are my child, and I love you, and I adore you. And it doesn't matter what the rest of the world says. It doesn't matter if you have your name in lights. It doesn't matter, people. What matters is what he says about you, how he sees you. You're always popular in his eyes. Think about it. He hand-designed you. He put every hair exactly where he wanted them. He put your eyelashes in the right place. He put your eyes the right way. Everything he created on you, in you, and for you was handpicked by him. Treasure that. Don't ask the world to say, oh, am I popular now? Can I be popular now? Can I get my name in lights? doesn't matter. Your name's in his eyes. That's the brightest light there could be. If your name is written in the book of life, you are his child. He treasures you. He adores you. He designed you. He gifted you. Your value is based on who you are in Christ. Not whether you're popular or not. Not whether you have your name in lights or not. In Luke 12, 21, it says, So is the man who stores up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. Here we're reminded that if storing up cash or stuff for personal gain, then we will enter the kingdom with empty hands. Those are pretty strong warnings. So if you're going to gather all your stuff here and stick it in your pocket and hang on to it, that's all you get. And when you die, where's it going? You can take it in the ground with you. It fades. Just like being popular fades. Just like my grocery list fades off. It tarnishes. It rots. Think about how humble Jesus was. Here he is, king of the world. And he comes in on a donkey that he borrowed. 
and they're throwing pom-poms and floats down at him, and he could have the biggest swelled head ever. But he doesn't. He stays humble. He stays who he is. A humble man. Kind of puts us all to shame. Because as humble as we are, and we can be very humble people, we still have that pride inside. Look what I did. Jesus says, don't look at what I did. Don't tell everybody what I did. But when we do something really cool, don't we want to run and tell everybody? Or at least one person. You want to tell a couple friends. You want to tell somebody. Because we want recognition. Beloved, you have enough recognition. You have recognition from God. He doesn't look at us like we look at us. And I'm so grateful for that. He doesn't look at us. When I look in the mirror, I see this older woman. I don't know how she got there. With grayish hair, overweight, dark circles under her eyes. But when Jesus looks at me, he sees his daughter. That's humbling. And so you guys, when he looks at you, he sees his son. But that doesn't humble you. Because here's the thing of the world. We matter to him. We are popular for him. Jesus led a life of humbleness. He wasn't weak. He was humble. Being humble doesn't mean you're weak. It just means you're willing to put yourself aside for the better of the kingdom. Jesus led a life filled with who God is and his purpose in life. Not the popular, shiny, pretty things that are temporary and fade away. You know, when my kids were younger, they had these necklaces. And I ran across them the other day. They're hideous. They're all not shiny. They're stupid little balls that are falling apart. When I picked them up to throw them out, they literally fell apart. They were round. And my kids love these things. God isn't asking us to be popular. We don't have to adorn ourselves to recognize each other because we recognize that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. He's just asking us to lay down his life, and that includes our stuff, so that we can follow him. Stuff in life doesn't matter. It doesn't really make us more popular. We're popular by the king of the world. We are popular. He knows our name. How much more popularity do you want? That makes you pretty popular. Our daughters and sons are the king of the world. 
Jesus didn't say to us, bring your best gold and silver or your best belongings and follow me. In fact, he said quite the opposite in Luke 8.22. When Jesus heard this, he said to them, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have, everything. Give to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. He didn't say, oh, don't forget to bring your little necklaces, your baubles. Don't forget to bring your gold, because I need your gold. He said, no, I want you to sell everything. I want you to humble yourself and get rid of everything. Give it to the poor, and then you can worship me. Are we willing to sell our soul, our integrity, for things that are temporary, for fads, for momentary things that are going to tarnish, rot, decay, be destroyed? Or are we going to be different? Are we willing to be disciples of Christ? To do that, Jesus gave us clear direction. Sell everything, give to the poor, and then come and follow me. He did not say, bring your gold, bring your silver, because I need it. He said, just come. Come just as you are. You don't have to yourself up you don't have to prep yourself you don't have to do anything but come follow me acknowledge who he is that's all he asks ultimately the decision rests in your hands but God calls us to put our faith in his unending love his unending mercy and in his infinite grace something that never fades away. He will sustain us through the times when others abandon us. He will sustain us when our popularity fades. Because this popularity is just a fad. It's a passing thing. But not to our God. To our Heavenly Father, we are a popularity. He already knows our names. Beloved, the world may not know your names, You may never see your name in life. You may never go down in history books of having accomplished great things. But Jesus knows your name. And that's worth more than anything. Any notoriety, any popularity of man. Because you are special in God's eyes. You are hand-picked, hand-designed, and loved by the only one who truly matters. Can you imagine the Lord of the world, God our Father, loving you? He loves each one of us. And if you don't have a relationship with him, please dear Christian, today come and ask God, Doctor, the angel or doctor, somebody in the room, there's so many people here who don't know Jesus as their Savior. Please do that. You cannot walk out of this building without having a relationship with Jesus Christ. It grieves our heart that you could walk out of here and not know that you're going to spend eternity in heaven with our Father. Because for him, you are so popular. You are so loved. 
We don't want you to walk out that door without knowing the Lord. Because he loves us more than we can imagine. Heavenly Father, we just love you. We are so grateful for who you are. We're grateful for all that you do for us. We're grateful for being Papa. 